You'll do it right to celebrate July 4th by throwing a backyard barbecue. Lowe's does it right, too, with July 4th savings to help get you started. Treat yourself to a new grill and save $50 on a Charbroil Performance 5-Burner Grill, now just $279. And spruce up your landscape before guests arrive and save in-store only with five bags of premium mulch for just $10. Whatever you need to get ready for the holiday, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 710 while supplies last U.S. only. Mulch offer excludes Alaska and Hawaii. They've got a license to talk. Shocking. Positively shocking. And the words are for your ears only. I think you got the point. Welcome to The Words Are Not Enough. On episode number 20 of The Words Are Not Enough, we give you a two-part special. In part one, Bond 25 may officially be filming in Norway. Could Daniel Craig be returning for Bond 26? Or will Richard Madden step in to don the tux in the battle for the martini? All this and more coming your way now. What is up, everyone, and welcome back to The Words Are Not Enough, our James Bond podcast. We're breaking down the latest and greatest of our favorite super spy in the whole world, Agent 007. I am one of your hosts, Griffin 008 Schiller, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, as always, Mr. Brody 005 Saravelli. Uh, How are you doing on this fine, what is it, Friday? Oh, it's yes, it is definitely Friday, and I feel... Wonderful. Uh, it's it's a shame that my desk is in the coldest corner of my room, so <laughs> that's fun. But um, I'm I'm all wrapped up. I'm in my PJs. I I put them back on as soon as I got home, and yeah, uh, yeah I'm ready to talk some Bond. I'm ready. Uh, we got some pretty interesting stuff that dropped today. So yeah, we do. We got it. We got a we got a good stuff uh, on on the docket for today. Uh, and this is our first show of t- 2019. So oh, that's, that's right. pretty cool. Yeah, wow. we're we're are what are what are your hopes and aspirations for Twain in the year of 2019? While we're on 2019, oh man, um, well this is Twain 20 actually, so this is that's pretty cool too. This is Twain 20, so this is the episode number 20, so we have to you know commemorate it with um with you know, a big what, what like we, well if if we if these follow like the Bond films, then 20 is Die Another Day, so this is the Die Another Day of Twain episodes. So this actually could be a ginormous train wreck. We have no idea. It's what's gonna be gonna full happen. of references. Every five line, uh, every fifth line that we say is going to be a reference to a Bond film. So if you're following along at home, I want you to take out a pen and pencil and just jot down every single little reference we make, no matter how ridiculous and <laughs> uh, inconsequential to the plot it is. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, to be fair, we do make a lot of them. We always there is always a this is not enough reference in there somehow. Yeah, going we, back we'll to the title. We have to make a good drinking game out of uh, our isms, the Twainisms. After. The drink is not enough. Oh, or I'm sorry, the is. drinks are not the enough. Are I not enough. I fucked that one up. Oh, <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to come back to it. We'll have to do another one. But um, yeah. But um, yeah. No, for Twain oh, go this ahead. year, go ahead. I'd like to see. Um, I just like to grow the base some more. I really like that we've uh, started getting people to, who engage with us, and that's really cool. Yeah. Um, it'd be be cool to get more of that. It'd be cool to, I mean, honestly, just really excited to cover Bond twenty five stories, and it's it's really fitting that our first episode of the year has like a proper Bond twenty five story that isn't just a rumor. So yeah, yeah, that's yeah. cool. I'm looking forward to more of that. Uh, I'm looking forward to the inevitable uh, special episode we have to do when. Eon just randomly drops a press conference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will be eagerly awating that too. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, lots to look forward to. But um, and also, 
uh, I know you were talking. We were talking about this a little earlier, and I don't mm-hmm. know if we're supposed to be mentioning this to everyone yet. But um, yeah, fuck it, why not? We'll, we'll, we were we'll talking just about, throw it out there. We were yeah, talking yeah. about doing a show with um, yeah, one of our friends who has never seen most of the Bond films and sort of just going through them and just talking with him as like a novice to the series about each entry. Um, that sounds like a fun little project. Uh, might yeah, offer some yeah, new yeah. perspective on the series. From because I think if you're listening to this show and for both of us. You're pretty well acquainted with the Bond films. You know what they're about. Um, so it'd be really cool to talk to someone who uh, hasn't seen them and like see what they what they pick up on the series watching it for the first time. You know what I mean? As an adult. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, you know, our our friend uh, he. I, I think he said that he's seen like bits and pieces of some growing up because his dad was a big Bond fan. But like, you know, wow, for us, what we negligence, grew up wa- what negligence of his, I, on his father's part. Not to Oh, I know. Such a shame, him. really. But, you know, like for us, we grew up, you know, we watched a lot of the Connery ones. We watched a lot of, you know, the Roger Moore ones, Pierce Brosnan, etc. And so like we've had that, like you said, we've had that ingrained in us like from a, from a very young age. And so like so there, there are things I, that happen that don't I don't even like register because yeah. just so, it's so normal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, no, I exactly. So that I that was that was a project that I'm, I'm very interested in taking on. Um, we would upload those episodes to the the Twain feed, so it wouldn't really change for you guys. Um, what is the working title again? Oh, uh, it was Baby's First Bond. Oh God, <laughs> yeah, the, Baby's uh, the logo, First Bond. Tell us what you think of this. The logo would be a martini glass with a little sippy cup lid on the top, uh, just to make it as as emasculating as possible. <laughs> oh yes, we have to have we have to have the alcohol. It's but not it's not enough to just like like watch through the movies for the first time. You have to shame them for having never watched them. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, nothing, that shaming says will be to part a, of it. No, yeah. Nothing says welcome to a fandom quite like embarrassing the person in public. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. Well, and, uh, you know, it it might be something where the guest changes each episode, right, or yeah. uh, it might be the same guest throughout the entire series. We're still kind of working out the kinks on well, that. Well, as we workshop uh, this idea, because you brought it up to me, yeah, and yeah. then as, like, as you brought it up, it just so coincidentally, like, fell into our laps that, um, it's Tyler. His name yeah, is Tyler, Tyler, yeah. For um, those of you who don't, like, watch uh, any of the shows on the Men vs. Movies channel, he's usually, like, a regular contributor on there uh Mm -hmm. him and i do uh like an award season show called the front runners so you may be familiar with him you may not be right but it's our yeah it's our friend tyler yeah but yeah just coincidentally while we were like workshopping this idea tyler just sort of drops into our lap and says oh yeah i haven't seen most of these and it's like oh well shit we're looking for someone like that yeah so yeah yeah. we would it would be um I feel like it would be it would be foolish on our part not to take advantage of that. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> I mean, it's it's a perfect perfect situation to just kind of like finding go, someone go for crazy. the Craig yeah. films will be hard. I just well, I don't think Tyler has seen any of the Craig films. I think the only one he's seen is Skyfall. How I could be I could be oh, wrong on that. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, dude, uh, this 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 could be a, 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 an incredible opportunity here. Um, wow! So we I, yeah, absolutely, we got to take full advantage of it. He did just watch Doctor No the other day, so mm. we may do kind of like a test run episode with that. Um, yeah, and like a pilot, you know, when, whenever we have time, just kind of like uh, dive into that and 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 whatnot. So. Yeah, let us know what you think of that, and then let us know what you think of the title, logo, etc. If you've got better names, be sure to like uh, throw those in the comments section of wherever you're Couldn't listening. Couldn't be too Hit hard to come up with Twitter. a better name. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I yeah, I agree. Uh, baby's first Bond is pretty... It, it's like... It's, it's a insulting, insulting to I the like guests. it, though. I like yeah. it, though. I, I, I'm a big fan of like 
baptism by fire. So oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to. You're you're uh, you're quite the uh, Elliot Carver over there. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's but, the um, best news I've heard. Delicious. Right? <laughs> that is like the <laughs> ultimate co- compliment for you. I feel like that is just like I, you live for that. Yeah, it's delicious. It's delicious. As a journalism major, nothing nothing gets me going quite like being compared to a corrupt, um, <laughs> <laughs> biased media mogul. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just what you uh, that's that's it's what I aspire the, to, really. Yeah, I was about to say this is what you aspire to be. Is yeah. basically yeah. But um, and then also uh, another thing that we we should probably um segue into. And I'm yes. not sure if you were you were about to go there. I but actually we, was. So yeah, go ahead. Nice. Take the reins on this. Oh yeah. right. So we um we just if you follow the Twitter account, which is at Twain Pod T W A N Pod, um uh, T W A N E A N E. Sorry, yeah, that would be Twain otherwise. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, at Twain Pod, um, we about a month ago, uh, sort of for the new year, we we, we did like a, a giveaway for two digital copies of Spectre. And we asked people, um. To reply, yeah, we didn't forget about this. If you thought we forgot about this, yeah, we didn't, I know. We didn't forget been, about this. Yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> we were waiting for it to do a new episode, and it just sort of happened at the end of the month. Uh, yeah, so we're yeah, gonna yeah. pretend that it was always the plan to release the, the winners at the end of the month. Right, uh, right. That's, it's our little secret as listeners to the podcast. Mm. But um, yeah, so basically, to enter, the condition was that the the, the, the person had to. Basically, tell us which plot thread from Spectre they most wanted to see, like which hanging thread from Spectre they most wanted to see resolved in twenty five, Bond twenty five, if any of them. And um, we got a lot of really, really good answers. We got a couple of joke ones, which were like genuinely yeah, very but, funny. Um, right? Yeah, I, I enjoyed all of the responses. To be honest, oh yeah, like the for legitimate sure. ones, and then the the oh yeah, yeah ones. Sure. I think there was one about like 009. Like, what is 009's fascination with like Sinatra music or something <laughs> yeah. like that? Like, it was great. No, exactly. Yeah, we got some really, really funny ones, um, and we got some really, really good in depth ones as well, um, and just generally just a very interesting conversation. Um, in the old uh, in the old comment section, but we had to pick two winners, and so Griffin and I sort of talked about this, and we tried to figure out who, like, what was the right balance of like lighthearted and uh, like a substantive answer, and mm-hmm. we eventually came down to two to two entries. Uh, one was from Royce the Voice, and he gave us a really uh, really like interesting answer where he said he wanted to see mm-hmm. the the um, the Bond Blofeld brother plot point resolved, which at first sounds controversial, but he goes on to say that basically it didn't work, Inspector, but it is part of the canon now, so he'd like to see it like sort of wrapped up in a way that maybe makes it a bit more palatable, uh, which is very interesting because that is something that's been on my mind where it's sort of like that is just a thing that exists now. And yeah, yeah, we could just ignore it and move on, but there's been such a stress on continuity that it'd be weird to just sort of Oh yeah, they're not brothers anymore. Forget that. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, yeah. finding a way to like around that would be interesting without bogging the story down in like <clears throat> revisionism because that would be unfortunate. So that was a really great answer. Um, yeah, I like that. And one so now a lot. Yeah. he can have more of a th- uh, a, th- a think about. <laughs> the the brother Spectre. subplot. Yeah, he can, he can make a his, digital copy to watch. Yeah, now, <laughs> now he could use that to make his uh, inevitable video essay on um, wanting to resolve that that thread. Oh wow! Yeah, of course, you're gonna tap. <laughs> and um, and then the second answer that um that really caught our eye was actually like it was like a bit of a thread, and that was from um Joseph uh Ilif. I'm probably mispronouncing that. 
Uh, my apologies if I am. But um, he gave us a really, really detailed sort of response where he was talking about how he wanted to see, like, you know, what MI6 is going to look like uh, following the destru- like, like the, the the transition away from the old MI6 headquarters uh, in Skyfall Inspector um, and, like, the destruction of, like, the Seeds program. Um, how does this, like, how does the... MI6 team work within the new government order, that kind of thing. Um, and then also just some stuff about uh, Bond and Swan and what's going to happen with them. Um, just, yeah, really, like, I mean, that, I think that echoes a lot. A lot of people want to see. And now that we know Madeline Swan's coming back, I think that's just a no-brainer. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, no, it just he, he put a lot of thought into that response. And so we appreciate that. We appreciate uh, when someone goes above and beyond. So... Yeah, so you, you two will be you two fine gents will be enjoying a digital copy of Spectre. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll, everyone's uh, favorite, well, the least divisive Bond film. <laughs> right, of course. Yeah, it's basically the greatest greatest Bond film ever made. Um, and are we we'll we'll get in touch with them uh via Twitter, right? Or actually, you will, I I believe, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you don't have to watch this to know. Um, obviously, we'll be reaching out, probably make a post or something just to like to announce it. Um, yeah, yeah. Which will probably happen. It will coincide with this going up. So, um, yep. yeah. So, if you're listening right now, they probably already have them. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah, um, we should have more so yeah, giveaways I'll, coming up. So, yeah, true. Yeah, I, I'd love to continue doing them. You know, uh, it's yeah. it's a lot of fun. And it gets a great uh, response out of the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just like and just generally more discussions on Twitter. We do discussions every every week. So, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Come be a part of that. It'd be great. Absolutely. For sure. No, it's awesome. Good stuff. Uh, one last uh, bit of uh, housekeeping mm-hmm. news here. Uh, we do finally have a rating on iTunes. It is a five-star rating. Ooh. So if you did rate this, give this show a rating on iTunes, uh, thank you very much. Um, so, and, and if you haven't yet, well... Uh, Get on it if you're interested. Something that we might uh, consider doing in the future is uh, if you do leave us a review, we'll maybe read that review out for you all just to kind of show some appreci- appreciation and whatnot. But um, yeah, ultimately, I just wanted to say thank you for uh, the kind ratings and um, hope they uh, hope they continue. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, it's great stuff. So anyways, all right, enough chit-chat. Let's move into Tomorrow Never Lies and talk some Bond news. So uh, we did wait until today to record this episode because we were uh, basically awaiting a confirmation um, that Bond may be headed to Norway. Uh, now, we did cover this, I believe, uh, several episode. episodes ago. Was oh, was it? Yeah, it was December. just last episode? Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, because there, yeah. there was like a rumor that uh, B-25 or Bond-25 may in fact be shooting there um and now we have uh some resolution to that news so Mm -hmm. uh yesterday a norwegian bond fan site by the name of james bond uh magasinet is that right is that james bond magasinet yeah i think it's a magazine in um uh norwegian (laughs) <laughs> there you go. Uh, if I mispronounce that, I'm sorry. So uh, they teased huge Bond 25 news in quotation marks. Um, and today it would seem we have gotten it in the form of a statement from the Norwegian Film Institute. In corroboration with some rumors that were circulating last month, the NFI, and I almost read that as NFL earlier, so <laughs> I made sure that I, I got that right. Uh, the NFI <laughs> Tom has Brady been comes offered. Out and is like confirming he will be a Bond henchman. <laughs> yeah, right. Tom Br- oh God, I mean, he basically already is. Oh, uh, we just pissed off every Patriots fan. <laughs> there we go. There we go. But uh, the NFI has been offered a 
47 million NOK Norwegian Krone grant to a project going by the name B25. Huh, wonder what that could be. Hmm. Uh, as part of a tax incentive scheme to draw projects with a large international reach to the Scandinavian country, which is about 5.5 million US dollars for those of you uh, who are not from Norway, which mm-hmm. I assume is probably a large majority of you. So, <laughs> In in the statement, uh, Stein, I'm gonna butcher this name. Uh, Stein Helg- Helgeland, is that right? Stein Helgeland. I mean, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll go with that. Stein Helgeland, the NFI's executive director, said, "We are pleased that filming of the film with the preliminary title B25 is considering being shot in Norway." Adding that the grant would be the largest in the incentive scheme's history. Past recipients of the grant include Paul Greengrass's 22 July, receiving 17.1 million NOK, and Mission Impossible Fallout, receiving 6.3 million NOK. Uh, True North Norway was uh, were named as the applicants on the grant, and is said that uh, True North would be handling the production services in Norway for Eon. Uh, Brody, uh, does this confirmation really do anything for you? Are you excited that Bond might be headed? to Norway and the most important thing will Daniel Craig finally ski oh baby yeah I hope so um this is really great news this is really really cool um yeah I I think I don't know even I I think either way I I can't imagine them not going to Norway at this point just based on that sum of money um that's all that is a lot of money, right. a lot of money. Right, exactly. And I think like um, I was reading somewhere that it it probably wouldn't come in like it wouldn't be a lump sum of like five point five million dollars handed to them. It would be mm-hmm. more like um, they would receive twenty five percent back on every like dollar they spend in Norway until it reaches that amount, mm-hmm. um, which is just a little like some, some interesting tax information for you but yeah, um yeah. but basically yeah no I, I mean even if norway is standing in for somewhere else and it's like norway pretending to be you know i don't know sweden <laughs> like you know what i mean russia um, you know you know, a- any sort of like cold like yeah nordic like, country yeah if um well i might take offense at you calling russia a nordic country but um, well it's not a nordic country i'm sorry I'm, i apologize you know what i'm saying like any 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 place like, like any cold, cold snowy yeah, climate yeah um apologies no, no, no it's, it's fine i just um i just could read the comments coming our way oh yeah i'm sure they're um, com- yeah yeah no it could be it could be iceland it could be it could stand in for any of these countries um yeah yeah or it could just be norway you never know um i don't i almost hope that it is just me norway. too give us, never, give us like been, a, a so. location we haven't seen before really what's the thing you know we um we i think we talked about this a little bit because we had a poll about it um a, like a, a couple months ago about like places Bond hasn't been, and Bond's never been, in the movies anyway. Has never been to Scandinavia, at least yeah, which by is name. Kinda, which is crazy. To it's me. insane. Like it's right yeah. there. But um, yeah. So that would, it'd be like an interesting new location. Uh, it'd be cool to see, like not just going to like um generic like snow locations. It'd be cool to see yeah. them actually like Bond actually going to like a Norwegian village, like a fishing village or yes, something. Like that's the thing. Like I, I, I almost want to see them, um, you know, bring the screen, like some of the culture of Norway. That's if the they're going to use movies. it as, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Cause I, I love when he goes to different locations and you really get a feel for those locations. Um, like, like the culture of those locations in the film. And I feel yeah. like, you know, it's a location he's never been to before. Let's showcase the region, um, not just 
you know, stereotypical skiing and mountains type stuff. Uh, let's mm-hmm. let's really like you know make it part of the plot. So if that's the case, I'm like, woo, hundred percent in. That would be amazing. Absolutely, yeah. I think that'd be really really cool. But um, but yeah, there is a possibility it'll be standing in for something else. Um, in, in if that's the case, it's probably because they have a snow location on the <laughs> in the script, and yeah, this is a yeah. good deal for a snow location. So. Um, yeah. but yeah, they may end up never not taking it, but I don't think they would have applied for it if they didn't have plans to, um, at least entertain the idea very strongly. True. Um, yeah. 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 No, it is, it is it's like, um, yeah, no, I, I, I have nothing but good things to say about this. I'm, I, I really hope, I hope we get to see Daniel Craig's ski. I hope we get to see just like everything that this location has to offer. Uh, going back to your point, um, uh, real quick about what you said about like the culture and everything else that was kind mm-hmm. of like very early on like the like the 60s and whatnot um with the connery films that was kind of part of the appeal of the bond films is that they could afford to go to these places for real so you'd be yeah. seeing actual japan in your you know your movie set in japan and much like the books they kind of almost operate a little bit as like a, a fantasy travel log where it's like i can't afford to go to you know Scandinavia, but I can go there in a Bond film and get to like get to, get to see some of the locations. It makes a good little tourism video for the country. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh my so God, the, the the film. Yeah, the the uh, the um, uh, what, what, what do you call it? The film film commission or the film institute? It will would eat that shit up. I mean, oh, they can put yeah. that on. Like, hey, come shoot here. We're gonna offer you amazing incentives and. Look, look what look what Bond twenty five did with this. So right, I, yeah, and it's, they it's, really they really tapped into a spy market with uh, Mission Impossible last year, and now yep. Bond twenty five this year. They really <laughs> they're like, okay, Norway is the place for spies now. Apparently, hey, I uh, I'm all for it. I think that's awesome. Hell yeah, no, it's it's really cool, and it's um, it just goes to show you just how um gives you a sense of the scale of this film that. Like and of a Bond production in general, that like yeah, Mission Impossible film. Therefore, what was it? Um, six point three million krone, and then Bond is getting forty seven million krone. Like, well, it it just it, it, it tells you the weight that the Bond name carries. If Absolutely, someone yeah. says we want to shoot James Bond in Norway, that film commissioner, the I'm sorry, the the Norwegian Film Institute is going to be like, yep, we're gonna we're gonna try and get you all the money that you can't that we can give you because of the name comment. recognition of Bond. I'm mm-hmm. not saying Mission Impossible doesn't have that, but. Well, that kind there of comes back that- to the. It comes back to the idea that Bond is uh, a little bit like more of a. Um, it, it, it's more known for its exotic locales. It's more known for that, like Absolutely. that kind of. Yeah. That. Um, I don't know what it is. It's like it's it's like kind of like well, a wish fulfillment there- almost like a like a travel wish fulfillment kind of right to it. Well, and and the other thing yeah. that 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 you were mentioning earlier, the I think before we started recording, yeah. was um that or maybe it was yesterday. The the Bond films, even the like the some of the worst ones, have outgrossed the Mission films. Like Spectre has outgrossed, uh, or it did outgross uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. If I'm correct, yeah, no, right? that is correct. Yeah, I think Mission yeah. Impossible so, was so around the seven hundred like, million, and Spectre was high eight hundred. Absolutely. It's that it's that Bond brand name and the yeah. the weight that the legacy of the franchise has carried. I mean that's um, the thing, the investment will pay itself off. So ab- absolutely. So, sense, it makes sense they would be giving this much money to a Bond film. 
yeah absolutely uh the, the last thing i will say is if they're not going to make norway like uh an integral part of like the plot um or, or like have bond actually go there for as like part of the main plot i'd love to see it used for like the opening action set piece um something really elaborate and creative and mm. that just really just gets you in there i feel like using norway and some of those winter locales would really um make for an incredible opening and craig's been on a roll with his openings like yeah the yeah, last really two especially been. have been like two of the best so yep they, 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 there's there's definitely there has to be at eon like a, a sense of we really need to do something spectacular for this one uh, yeah because they, they basically created a festival in mexico city that still happens to this day uh for that opening sequence inspector so yeah which is amazing there's a yeah. there's a legacy here now that like they need to really um not only utilize like not only do like the 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 greatest stunts but also you know really utilize the location because yeah that was what yeah. that was what was great about the skyfall opening and the specter opening is that it couldn't have happened anywhere but istanbul and it couldn't have happened anywhere but mexico city you know what i mean it really yeah. starred those locations so yeah especially yeah. specter for as much shit as we give it that opening is oh that opening easily, is flawless it's the yeah. best part of the entire film and it really plays into the culture so if we got something like that but um more like norwegian uh and you know i'm a sucker for those winter action set pieces so give me one in the craig era uh that opens up the film with a bang that isn't a disappointment like that snow plane chase i am 100 <laughs> in just a ski chase man just need a ski chase ski chase we just need a badass ski chase even um, if even if he's the only one on skis and everyone else has like dirigibles or whatever else whatever <laughs> what a weird vehicle they can think of yeah, uh, yeah. couldn't be weirder than the, the the paragliders from the world is not enough. oh my god that is truly one of the just one of the weirdest like ski chases like, in like eye rolling yeah. just like they couldn't think yeah. of anything else Oh, I know. Um, it's ridiculous. But anyways, keeping fun. with yeah. the Scandinavian theme for today's Bond 25 news, Bond 25 cinematographer Linus Sandgren seems to have confirmed to Screen Daily that Bond 25 will be shot on digital during an interview for his latest film, First Man, which was grossly snubbed at the Academy Awards. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, but <laughs> Man, you've called out the Patriots. Now we're calling out the Academy. Everyone's coming Listen, I, I am just saying. Oh, wait, wait, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Did did Sandgren get get a nomination for First Man for cinematography or no? He did not. He got he snubbed. did not. That yeah. is a disservice to that, that is man's that, work. that is a gross disservice. He he shot the most beautiful looking film of the year. Uh, we all yeah, know it. It's like, just it's just horse even if he didn't like First Man. It is gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Anyways, back on Bond. Uh, so that would make Bond twenty five the second film the franchise. Um, sorry, the second film in the franchise to uh, have shot entirely on digital, following Roger Deakins' much celebrated work on Skyfall. This would also mark a departure for Sandgren, who has almost exclusively shot on film for his American projects. Um, Brody, my question to you is why. Do you think he's leaning more on leaning more into digital for Bond Twenty Five, a, 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 a franchise that has you know really um, they've done incredible work with with film, you know, on film, mm-hmm. um, and it has a legacy of shooting on film, save for obviously Roger Deakins' work on Skyfall. Uh, why do you think he Why do you think he made this decision, and do you think it's a hundred percent confirmed, or do you think there's still some wiggle wiggle room for him to maybe change his mind and shoot on uh, film? I'm sure. I, I, for for uh, hmm, this is an interesting question, and it sort of goes into like the filmmaking process a little bit, which. Um, you and I, you especially, are very familiar with. Um, yeah. And for me, I think 
because it, 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 I, I think this is probably confirmed because it came from an interview. It didn't. It wasn't like a, a, a direct quote from him, but they just sort of threw it in there like it was something they spoke about. Um, yeah. So unless it was just an assumption, then that's where I'm going to, to like. I'm going to lean towards this is probably something that came from him. Um, but when it comes to films, nothing is ever like exclusively shot on one format usually anyway especially with these blockbuster films so like they might be an IMAX sequence in, well, a, I mean, in a cut I mean, between put, put an asterisk put an asterisk to that because Christopher Nolan only shoots on film um, no right right you, right but I mean like you look at like um, I'll give you an example like with um, like Mission Impossible Fallout which came out last year um, yeah. it is a very similar genre very similar style Mission Impossible Fallout, uh, Fallout was mostly shot on 35mm film um, except uh, the skydiving sequence and the helicopter finale, which were both shot on digital, uh, A, because the digital camera was just easier to do the skydiving stunt with, and then B, because they needed to shoot for extended periods of time to do the helicopter uh, sequence, but they shot it on an IMAX aspect ratio. Right. So that may be what they're intending to do, and they're just talking about shooting digital because they're going to be shooting stunt sequences on digital because it is just much easier to work with digital cameras when doing that kind of um, right photography. That's the same reason why the Spectre opening sequence also is the only part of that film shot on digital um, mm-hmm. because it was just you're doing loop de loops with the helicopters and you're like swinging over Mexico City, so it was just easier to just shoot it all on digital. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't think the entire film will end up on digital, but if it does. I have trust in Sangren's ability. Hopefully they shoot it on something like, you know, like 8K or above. Um, just well, for it's like just, it's just kind of weird sake. to me because I, I would tend to believe what you're, what you're saying. I would, I would hope that it's, they're going to shoot on digital for the sake of ease um, for these elaborate action, action set pieces, which actually this could be an indication to the big picture, you know, um, kind of like what they're planning on doing with these action set pieces. So this could mm-hmm. be some, you know, kind of pretty big stuff that they're planning here. Maybe uh, Fukunaga really, you know, wasn't lying when he said that he's cooking up some big um, action set pieces. So I, I'm all for that. And if it means that they have to shoot on digital and in IMAX format, go for it. I'm cool with that. Um, what is confusing is that Sandgren has primarily shot on film for all of his projects. Um, so, so I guess make for him, why would he just choose to shoot the film entirely on digital? That's the part that doesn't make sense to me. If he if he's efficient and he knows how to work um, with film, and clearly you look at First Man and that that had some you know stunts in there, not as elaborate as like an action film or like a spy film, but there was some definitely there were definitely some stunts in there, and everything was very practical. And shooting on film helped lend to that authenticity and practicality. Um, it's just it, it it is puzzling that he would say that no, we're going to shoot the whole thing digitally. So that that's just a little. Um, confusing and disheartening at the same time because I'm a, I am a big proponent of of shooting on film. I I think, you know, people claim that you can tell the difference or that you can't tell the difference. You can make digital look like film, but when you see the two side by side, and you look in a theater and you see a Christopher Nolan film, you see a Damien Chazelle film, you see a Martin Scorsese film, 
you can tell the difference. There is just so much richness and contrast in in the image. Um, the the grain really pops. I mean, you can add film grain in on digital, but it does not look the same. Um, I if if you are someone who is really interested into the the, the whole digital versus film, I, I highly recommend you go watch the the, the documentary side by side, which interviews several like many prominent filmmakers in the industry on their take on shooting film versus digital i think there are instances where shooting on digital is needed like you said those action set pieces especially the 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 skydiving the halo jump set piece which i i couldn't have even imagined shooting that on anything other than digital just because of how you know restricted you are from a cinematography standpoint well that was the thing um, I, um uh, well i just like going back to like i was watching um some like i had i went back and i was like watched some moonraker behind the scenes stuff that i hadn't watched since i was a kid and just like because they with their skydiving sequence they basically had to build a new camera um out of like titanium yeah, to make it yeah. lightweight enough so that when the cameraman pulled his parachute it didn't snap his neck um, and even then they still had to like tie a rope around the camera so that not the camera around the, um, the, the shoot so that he could slowly open his parachute and not like rip yeah, his neck yeah. back. So yeah, shooting it on film in this day and age when we have an alternative just wouldn't make sense for that kind of stuff. Right. For sure. Right. And, and I will say this. Um, Deacons' work on Skyfall is masterful. It's gorgeous. I think he should have won the Oscar for that film. Um, and that is the closest to film I have ever seen digital look and that's because I know Roger Deakins knows how to perfect lighting in a way that no one else can really do like it's Uh just his thing he just can manipulate the camera in a way that I have not seen from other filmmakers or from other cinematographers um, who shoot on digital now I know Linus Sandgren um, is an incredible cinematographer I'm very happy to have him on board Uh, but I you know, I w- we'll just have to see. Uh, but I think this it, comes it, from. I think I I I I am I, I'm on your side when it comes to the um, film versus digital. I think there's just like an intangible quality to film. Yeah. But I'm not losing my mind over this. I mean, oh, like, no, I, and, and, it's yeah. It, look, it's let, me, let me be clear. So good, and I think like it. it I think the uh, like Eon as a production as a, as a studio, you know, um, having worked with Roger Deakins on Skyfall knows like they can't cheap out on this stuff. They can't cheap yeah. out on shooting digital. You have to like really, and like, I mean, Skyfall is going to look good in, you know, 50 years time because they took the time to shoot it on such a high resolution that it'll be able to, um, be upscaled for, for decades yeah. to come. Yeah. But, um, I, I was going to say like, this sort of feels like a decision that came from, um, from Fukunaga because Terry Fukunaga is, uh, his own cinematographer most of the time. Yeah, um, that's that's a good point. And he, yeah. he on Beast of No Nations especially, he was he shot on like um and uh an Alexa and yeah. he, he likes working with I think he just likes working on with digital cameras. Yeah, um, that's that's true. Actually, you know, that that's a good point that I didn't even think of. It's it was probably I I don't think it was solely Sandgren's decision just given his I mean, experience shooting with film. Yeah. They probably talked yeah. about it and said this is what we we've got planned. Um, and it may even just be like, yeah, they, they, they're thinking we're going to use this film that we're going to use these cameras for the, like for the entire film to give the films like, uh, you know, palette, uh, a, a consistent look. So it's going to look yeah, the same yeah. all the way through. Cause that is, you can switch between different cameras, um, like they did on mission impossible, like they do on so many other films, um, yeah. including Sangren's films. Cause they're even like, even between 
35 millimeter and IMAX is, is different. So, um, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it just probably just came down to them talking and saying probably more practical. If we just use the one type of camera, it'll look better, uh, more consistent anyway. And sure. Yeah. I, I really don't have, I, I, I have faith in this is where, this is what it comes down to for me. I prefer film as like a, as like a purist. Cause I just like the, the, the quality of it, but it comes down to the creative type. Like I'm not gonna, I can't scold Roger Deakins, the one of the best cinematographers working in the industry today, for working on digital. You know what I mean? Like if yeah, that's what he, if yeah. he thinks he's confident that he can work on that, and he puts out films that look amazing that are shot on digital, I mean, who am I to say that that's inferior? You know what I mean? No, no, he's I, I agree more, with that. Yeah, he's and way like- more qualified to to <laughs> make that assessment than I am. Um, right, right. And yeah, if Christopher and Nolan doesn't want to use digital, that's his prerogative. Um, yeah, so if, if if Sangren is comfortable with this, which he seems to be, and if um, this is what Cary Fukunaga has envisioned for his film, I'm down. I mean, I think Beast of No Nation looked phenomenal. I would not have guessed it was shot on digital. I mean, um, not that I studied yeah. the, the film grain of the, the thing too much, but mm-hmm. it, it, does, it, it is a striking-looking film, and I think... I have enough faith in Sandgren's ability to DP a film that he is going to make this look as good as any of his other films. So. Yeah, I and, and I agree. And let me just be clear. I'm not like losing sleep over this. It's just kind of like one of those, oh, all right, well, that's a little disappointing, but I'm sure the film will still look good. That's kind of just where I stand on the situation. So anyways, we spent a whole lot of time on that topic, more topic than I thought, or more time than I thought we were going to spend on that topic. It's an interesting but, hey, topic, though, yeah. It, it is interesting, yeah. I, honestly, let us know your thoughts and, opinion on, and, and opinions on uh, film versus digital in the comments section of, of wherever you're listening to this. Uh, it, it definitely makes for a good debate. Actually, that could be a good Twain poll for you. So, uh, <laughs> just got the stuff going. Oh, I just got a notification that Christopher Nolan's next film is coming in 2020. Well, wow. fuck me. There we go. All right. Well, uh, derailed the show there for a second. It's going to be got Bond 26, excited. everyone. You heard it here uh, first. Let's, let's fucking hope so. And we'll get to Bond 26 in a little bit later on. But first, uh, we're going to keep on the theme of locations. So according to report from Archivo 007, Greg Wilson, the son of Bond producer Michael G. Wilson, has been spotted in Cadiz, Spain, prompting speculation that he may be there location scouting for Bond 25, as he has been involved in scouting locations for the series since Die Another Day. Speaking of, Bond fans will remember Cadiz from Die Another Day, where it stood in for Cuba. Cadiz is also set to appear in Eon's upcoming feature, The Rhythmic Section, which is what may have sparked Eon's interest in the location for Bond 25. Uh, This was something that just dropped today, I believe, correct, Brody? Uh, Yeah, it just popped up on my Twitter feed, so I I, I threw it up on here because uh, we had had another big story about locations today, so I just figured ties into that. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, my question for you is, do you buy into this rumor? Um, and if they're going back to Spain, um, do you think it's going to be Spain or do you think it's going to be another stand-in? Um, I'd be, I, It'd be cool if they went to Spain. That'd be really neat. Um, I, I'm struggling to think. Bond doesn't really go to Spain very much. So it that would be neat to see. Um, and this one's tough in terms of like the credibility of it. This one's tough. Um. Uh, Archivo, I don't know how to say it. I, sorry, I'm butchering Archivo 007? Yeah, Archivo 007. That's how, yeah. I'm, that's how I'm going to say it. But um, I'm sure I'm sure in Spanish it sounds a little different. But um, 
they they've had some pretty good like stories before where like they've they've been on like the the right track with uh, information like this. Um, the it's the it's the fact that and I don't, and I don't doubt that Greg Wilson is scouting locations. It's just the fact that the rhythm section just finished filming there that like maybe he's just there. You know what I mean? Like yeah, they were just there, and so he's just visiting. Um, yeah, I, I it, it, but it is possible. Like this would it would fit the timeline of like Bond twenty five's like you know production pre production schedule that they would be looking for locations. Um, so it's possible. It would be really cool if that was the case. And if it's standing in for something else, I hope it's not almost. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm of two minds of this, actually. <laughs> um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It'd be cool if it wasn't because it'd be cool to see Bond go to Spain. And again, for that reason of like sort of soaking in the culture, that whatnot. It also would be kind of cool if it was standing in for Cuba again because it would be really cool to see Bond go to Cuba again. True, um, true. And well, pr- and, uh, you know, kind of speaking of that, the what Fukunaga was kind of saying about making this film go full circle... Uh, maybe there will be some, you know, reason he goes back to Cuba for, uh, whatever. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's just I like, mean, full circle with Diana of the day may not be the place you want to go, but well, hey, who knows, man? <laughs> yeah, I just, I actually, I, I'm sorry, I just, I confuse Cuba with uh, Bolivia. Uh, forgive me. Um, oh right, so, yeah, you're good. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it, it would be really cool to see, um, Bongo to Cuba. What with the, like the regime changing going on there, and um. <laughs> Just because Cuba is an interesting location, but Spain would also be really cool. Just because I'd love to see Spain. I'd love yeah, to see it be, it'd be Spain. Yeah, it'd be yeah. cool to like to see yeah Bond just cruising around in the mountains or something on the on like the highway in his supercar or going to a beach or something like mm-hmm. that'd be neat. Um, and it would also make a nice contrast to Norway if like you have Bond going in Norway and going to Spain. Those are like like you can't get more further apart than you know yeah up in Scandinavia and then down in the Mediterranean. So. And, and it would probably indicate that the film is going to be largely European-based, uh, which would be interesting. Um, yeah, which I, I'm trying to think of the last time we got something. Well, I guess Spectre was pretty... No, Spectre, had, it was, there was, well, Spectre, uh, Spectre was in North Africa a little bit, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spectre yeah. went to Tangiers, I believe. Um, and, I mean, it was also started off in Mexico. And, um, oh, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And plus, it'd be interesting to see a Bond film that is not predominantly set in the United Kingdom. <laughs> um, yeah, that's fair. Oh, so, yeah, that's a very, very good point. <laughs> yeah, so that'd be interesting. Um, and it would be a nice, like, because we, we, we went to Rome in uh, Spectre very briefly, but I, uh-huh. I don't think they really used the most of, of Rome. I guess it was he was only there very briefly, but um, it'd be cool to well, see him. Well, you know, like, a, a, a primarily yeah, yeah. I was gonna, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I, I think no, a primarily no, no, no. European based, um, you know, Bond film could be really interesting since you know that we we don't have the Cold War going on anymore, so they don't have to like pull from that as much. So it would be it would be like a whole new like a direction they could take the film because you know most of the film most of the Bond films that were primarily European based always always like pertain to the cold war in some shape or form so now that that's mm. behind us i i'm curious as to like you know kind of what what you know they, there's so many different avenues they could go in you well know? here's the thing and this this ties into something else that we talked about on the twain account um these are both like in the eu and britain is no longer in 
the EU, mm-hmm. <laughs> or not at least looking not to be. So mm-hmm. that would be interesting. And I think uh, we've talked about like whether or not it's involved in the plot or not. But it would be interesting just to see Bond having to deal with being in Europe, being in a version of Europe that is no longer there to serve him <laughs> and his needs. Yeah. So like Bond yeah. goes to Spain, and maybe he tries to corroborate with, you know, one of the local authorities or like a Spanish. Um, the Spanish Secret Service, and they're just like, we're not, we're not really interested in sharing our information with you. <laughs> like, yep. not adversarial or anything, just very guarded. That would be cool to see. That would make an interesting obstacle for Bond to encounter. And uh, having him predominantly be in the EU for the for the adventure would, um, yeah, maybe make a case for Bond having to be the only one who can stop this because he's yep. no longer able to work with his allies and like. You may even be able to make a point or two about that, but... Um, yeah, see, listen, you know, yeah. I think maybe this could be a slight indication that maybe, the story may knows? be dealing with Brexit in maybe. some shape or form. At, not least, be- at least, even if it's not directly, it'll have yeah. to deal with it in some capacities because... D- well, we'll be seeing repercussions, be yeah. Yeah, he'll be in these locations. It'd be like going to Russia and then not mentioning that Putin was the president, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, um, yeah. But yeah, no, that that would be really, really interesting, and I'd be so down to see Bond in Spain... Um, I'm trying to think of the last time he went to Spain. I, I yeah, I am, too, I am too. I really don't. If you know, if you or, or if you know, you have the means to look it up. Uh, let us know of, of being the last time Google Bond it. went to Spain. If he ever went to Spain, no, he had to have gone to Spain. Was he in Spain at the beginning of Quantum? No, it was Italy. That was Italy. Okay, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I'm trying. Uh, to th- well, we spent a lot of time in Italy in the Craig era. Actually, come to think, yeah, of it. they really have. My God. Interesting. Well, Bond. yeah, let us know the last time Bond went to Spain, if he ever went to Spain, because we don't have the means to look it up at the moment. All right, moving on to our next series of stories, which kind of pertain to each other um, mm-hmm. and uh, focus in on Bond 26, which if you clicked this video and you're watching on YouTube, uh, that is kind of where the thumbnail has come from. But before we mm-hmm. get to there, let's, uh, let's talk about this story here. So, according to an insider at The Sun, despite the rumors surrounding who will step into Bond's shoulder holster, <laughs> I just completely butchered that. Oh, very, very nice. Very nice on the, the notes, Brody. Um, into Bond's shoulder holster after Daniel Craig, Barbara Broccoli has not seriously considered a single name that has been floated, nor has she or her brother and co-producer, uh, Michael G. Wilson, drawn up a short list of names for potential successors. The insider claims that Broccoli has done this out of loyalty to Craig as she supposedly feels looking for replacement while Craig is still in the job would be disrespectful, adding that Broccoli cannot look beyond Daniel as she values everything he has done for the franchise in the past decade. Furthermore, this insider claims that Eon has not even officially ruled out Craig doing a sixth Bond film after Bond 25. Although no further information about this detail was given, it was worth noting that The Sun claims this source has dropped several other big Bond scoops in the past, but declined to reveal which ones. Uh, And so the question to you... um, Brody is do you buy into this now we do have a follow-up point to this which I'll get to in a little bit later on but do you buy into this um because I know you have very strong opinions on the matter and Mm -hmm. do you think it's possible that we could see Craig back for 26 even though I believe he has said that 25 is his final outing yeah uh quick quick a little um 
quick little addendum um, to the previous thing we were just talking about. Uh, Bond mm-hmm. has been to Spain twice. Um, oh, you did look it up. Okay, good. I looked it up. Right. Yeah, yeah. So he was he, uh, he was in Bilbao for the opening of The World Is Not Enough and then uh, outside of Madrid very briefly in For Your Eyes Only. So ah, okay. really only twice and for very, very like small sequences. So Well, you, you know what they say. Yeah. You only go to Spain twice. Oh, wow. Is that what they say? Yeah, that's what they say. <laughs> well, uh, I guess they can't I, possibly apparently. be there then. He's already done mm-hmm. it. But um, yeah, anyway, talking about this story... Um, yeah, I don't know. This one seems really dumb. This one seems like... I mean, it's from The Sun, first of all, and I just have no reason to trust The Sun at this point. I agree. But, Same. Um, and then also, just the way this seems... This one kind of plays into a trend I've noticed. And this is where we're going to get passionate for a second. This kind of plays into a trend I've noticed a lot lately, um, which is that like this need to characterize Barbara Broccoli as this manic... Um, incompetent woman who doesn't know what she's doing um, and is purely driven by, you know, her sexual desire for Daniel Craig. Um, <laughs> which, like, how do, you, how do you come to that conclusion? Which like, is, like, like absolutely... Me I mean, like, she, she's been... She's very, very fond of him um, in a way she that... She should be. In a he way that any producer would be fond of someone who starred in two, like, you know... He's made, like, the studio over $2 billion, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like, he he literally revitalized the franchise, like. Yeah, so I mean, of course she's be, she'd be keen to keep him around, but like there, there has been this like sort of desire for certain outlets and uh, fans to characterize her as being this erratic lady who doesn't know what she's doing, uh, which I think is a little unfair. I think Barbara Broccoli for, for every all the faults of like Eon's handling of some of the Bond stuff uh, lately, which doesn't entirely come down to them, uh, given. You know, the fact that they've been working with MGM and Sony, who have been not exactly in the best financial state for like Sony is possibly quite possibly one of the worst studios to work with. Yeah, and MGM has been completely like just incompetent in terms of like <laughs> I mean they went bankrupt. Yeah, but, um, I, I, yeah. yeah. So I mean, like th- 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 I don't think all of these things have been have fallen on her shoulders or even Eon's shoulders, uh, particularly, but. Uh, yeah, I, I think this story sort of plays into that, like this idea that like Barbara Broccoli is fiercely loyal to Daniel Craig and doesn't want to disrespect him, and like all this, it just sounds really soap opery, soap opera. Oh, it's, it's you know so I mean? like, dramatized. Like, yeah, yeah, it's like, I mean, Daniel Craig is going to do one more film, and then like every Bond before him, they're going to find a replacement. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, he's not going to be doing this until he's like fucking seventy. Like, he does right. I mean, have a finite end in his like foreseeable future. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, I mean, I'm sure, as much as I'm sure she enjoys working with him, and he may even stay on as a producer or something going forward. Um, seeing as he is a producer now, but that could be interesting. That would yeah. be really cool. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I, I just I have like real reservations about accepting this idea that she's like. Well, um, he, and I'm sure he, she does, I'm sure still, she does value. I'm sure she does value his contributions, but I mean, I just don't think this source. I think this source is just pulling at straws and hasn't actually really talked to Barbara Rockley. It just doesn't seem very likely, right? Given what we know. Well, and at the same time, their full attention, as it should be, is on making Bond twenty five the best film it possibly can. So her her comments here about uh, she's she's doing this out of loyalty to Craig, um, and she values everything he's done for the franchise in the past decade, uh, and etc. Like they, she can't look beyond Daniel at the moment. 
makes sense because they're focusing on making the best possible Bond 25 they possibly can. Like, right, yeah. I, th- there, there's no reason for them to be looking into the future to find the next Bond. Like, I'm sure they've, it's in the back of their head floating around, like we've said on multiple podcasts, Probably. but like, their focus is on making Bond 25, and so she doesn't care about all the tabloid rumors or the well, short list right. of names or whatnot. Well, exactly, you know? and then, but that's the thing, it's like, and that's why I don't think this is, I think like, this person is making statements that are not based in any kind of reality, but they probably do reflect, to some extent, the situation, which is what you just like sort of detailed, where they're obviously they're focused on the next film they're making. Making a film is incredibly labor-intensive and also costs a lot of money, and I'm sure they're paying the most attention right now to where they're spending their money um, right. at the present time. So it right. has nothing to do with loyalty to Daniel Craig, although I'm sure she is very very happy with the work he's done and very happy with their working relationship um yeah yeah, yeah to act like she's like this this, this schoolgirl with a crush who's like i can't betray daniel is just uh, yeah i mean the, the, definitely the way that that article reads and is it like reads a lot like a lot of stuff yeah. it reads like a lot of stuff i've read which is why i've taken issue with it um and then on top of that i'm gonna maybe like like push back a little bit on that like last thing you said about them not having a shortlist I think they do have a short list. I think there is well, no okay, way. Let, let me let me correct yeah. what I said. When, what I meant to say, yeah. It, so they, you're right. They probably do have a short list. I'm sure it's been a list that they've been working on for several years or so, and it's it's changed a lot. Um, what I kind of meant to say was that that short list is not a top pri- priority for them at the moment because they're still working on making this film, Bond 25. Right, there is yeah. full steam ahead on pre-production and whatnot. Um, and so, Although, well, yes, they probably yeah. do have a short list, and I'm sure that th- there it, it consists of a lot of great actors. That's not their top priority at the moment. Right, not their top priority at all, but I, I will yeah. I, I will say, and this will come up in the next story as well, um, I hope that they are, I hope that they find someone soon. I hope, like, I'm not, I hope they don't announce it, and it, they're, not, they're not going to announce it until Bond 25 is literally out on Blu-ray, but I hope they found someone and they've locked them in, because I would like them to be able to start production on this thing as soon as they can. Um, That's true. Yeah. And like yeah. just sort of at least start priming people for a new bond as soon as they can. So once Daniel Craig has officially said, I am bowing out, this is my last film, uh, which he'll probably say on the, on the circuit, like the, the, the junket circuit, the press chart. Well, yeah. you know, um, you don't necessarily believe everything which, you hear on the press. Well, yeah, he may, he may slit his wrists too. You never know, but I'm, I'm sure at some point there will be an official announcement where he says, I am bowing out of this, now because I'm, I'm you know, going to be 60 soon and I'm done with the role. Um, yeah. At that point, I hope Eon has someone in the wings that they can say, okay, thank you for your service, Daniel, but now here's the new face of Bond for the next decade and this is who it is. And, like, you know what I mean? We, like, it'd be cool for them to have a plan and I'm sure that they do is the thing. is Everyone likes to talk up Eon's incompetence, but... Oh, I, I don't think, think they're incompetent. No, I, I mean, like, they, 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 they... No, I mean, like, they... they have managed to produce these films, I mean, year after year, despite MGM's, you know, bankruptcy and Sony's general mismanagement. So, I mean, yeah. it's a testament to their, uh, to Wilson and Broccoli and their, their prowess as producers. Uh, but yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure they have people selected. I just hope that they have one person in mind that they're ready to sign or have signed um, and they're just keeping it on the hush because that would just make the most sense for me. But... 
that being said, what do we think about Craig doing a second, like another film after this? Um, well, it would have to be a back-to-back thing, which kind of leads us to our kind of follow up to that so mm-hmm. uh, you know it was recently announced that Christopher McQuarrie would be coming back for a Mission Impossible 7 and 8 uh, mm-hmm. potentially a two parter so eh, maybe to kind of compete with that a little bit so that mm-hmm. Bond doesn't necessarily get lost in the shuffle uh, Craig's return for a 26 uh, could signal that Eon intends to do a similar two part story with a 25 and 26 or maybe a 26 and a 27 although I, I find that very hard to believe that a 26 and a 27 yeah. would be that that that's just no that doesn't that's seem likely much. to me that's too um, much, yeah. but anyways or at the very least, plans to go head to head with Mission Impossible in 2022 with their own finale. Um, it would be very interesting. Uh, obviously, yeah. I, I would be curious to see the the story, um, where where they take the story in, in a two parter thing. Because right now, I, I can't really think of what that two parter would be. Just given where Spectre leaves off, I can really only think of one additional film where they could kind of tie up what happens but mm-hmm. um it could be interesting um and and seeing an older bond treated as an older bond which i i don't think they would make the same mistake uh that they did with roger moore and, and playing him as being much younger than he really is i think they would <laughs> yeah. find age appropriate women for craig i you wouldn't get away would tackle, with that no no no, no they would yeah. absolutely not get away with it they would they would tackle age appropriate themes um and it, it could be an interesting challenge for Craig. That being said, the man is going to be 60. He will have given uh, like a, a decade and then some to the role. Um, so, yeah, I, I just I, I, I don't know something about that. I, I don't think it'll happen. If it does happen, I hope they get very creative and um and yeah, I, I mean, I just I hope they get very creative with the directions in which they take the story and they tackle stuff that we have never seen tackled in a Bond film before, especially with the whole aging spy in a modern world kind of thing. Um, and that they've uh, been running with with Craig for since Skyfall, so exactly, yeah, right, exactly. So um, I who knows. Um, Here's the thing with this for me, because uh, everyone's gonna say if they put it on 2022, um, that it's it's because they want to go head head to head with Mission Impossible, uh, right, which, which is possible. Why not? Absolutely. I mean, why not? Build yeah. up the spy competition. It's a, and it's a friendly competition. I might add. Right, I know there are people yeah. who are like, well, Mission Impossible is far superior than Bond. Bond is outdated. And I'm like, all the other way around. But Bond is better than Mission <laughs> yeah. Impossible because of yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it, people get really fucking. Tedious we, sh- we should be excited and we should be so lucky that we have two incredible spy franchises that are still going full steam ahead you know mm-hmm. and here's the thing though i don't think that would be the reason anyway um no. as much as they like going head to head with these films um mostly because mission impossible would probably lose in terms of box office anyway um, well, and you got you also got to think about this. Sort of, they would but, be but released also, at two completely different, different times part, of the different year. different parts of the year. Yeah, yeah but I mean, like yeah. it wouldn't. It's not like it's not like they need to reclaim a mantle for Mission Impossible. Oh no, 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 absolutely. But um, not that studios think about these franchises in that way anyway. Uh, no. That's mostly a fan thing. But <laughs> what I twenty twenty two, it will be the sixtieth anniversary of the of the franchise. So I think much like. Um, in the same way that um, they did, they did like they, they sort of pushed back Dino the Day to land on the fortieth, and made sure Skyfall came out on the fiftieth. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to make sure 
we'll get a Bond film, film in 2022. Which is yeah. another reason why I think they've probably started planning for this, and they've probably got they've probably at least if they're going to replace Craig, they've got another actor in mind. If they're not replacing Craig, they've got a screenwriter in like in like lined up, or they've talked to Carrie Fukunaga and they've said, "Hey, we should do two of these with yeah. Craig." And right, right. I think. Um, just in terms of, they've been very good about planning around these anniversaries, and I think if if you know even if you're like really really convinced that Eon is incompetent, they have been legitimately very good about meeting these anniversaries, and I think they've probably been thinking about this at least since twenty like since since Scar Spectre came out. Um, at least you know what the, the you, anniversary you, coming out. So yeah, you you know what. I'm going to take back everything I said about them putting together a short list because of that right there. Yeah. If 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 they're done with Craig, announcing in, a new Bond for the, the 60th? Absolutely. They're yeah. that is 100% what's going to happen. Like either announcing Craig debuting. is going to yeah. yeah, either Craig is going to stay on for another film, highly unlikely, or they, could, yeah. they have but right, it's entirely possible. I I have no idea, but I would just be very very surprised. Or mm-hmm. they already have someone in mind. They are already working on what that story is going to be, like like a second team, like preliminary discussions. Obviously, uh-huh. their full attention is on Bond 25, but to nail down that 2022 release, um, you know, for the 60th anniversary, what better than to introduce the new Bond and, you know, yeah. just come out of the gate make swinging it a and make it a celebration of, for the 60th anniversary. I, I you know, kind of like when Timothy Dalton, just kind of like, talking through yeah, this. Yeah, kind of like when Timothy Dalton did the 25th. And they made yeah, a big deal yeah. out of Timothy Dalton being the new Bond for the twentieth and twenty fifth anniversary. Absolutely, and yeah. I think that would just make too much sense to me. Well, um, and, and and here's the other yeah. thing, you know, um, the excitement that comes around the casting of a new Bond. What better mm-hmm. for the than for the sixtieth anniversary to have the excitement of whoever that new Bond's going to be, and people are going to go see that film more so than they would probably go see a twenty sixth. Uh, I'm sorry, Bond twenty six with Daniel Craig. Oh, yeah. Um, and it, you know, if they just for the sake of you know just can, can continuing on the speculation, if they wanted to compete with Mission Impossible, getting a new actor in a new Bond film in, for the 60th anniversary, there is no question that film wins 100%. That film gets the, the majority of the audience's money um, because they want to see what this new Bond can bring to the table. Yeah, it's, it's a no-brainer. I think that's the best way to handle the 60th anniversary. I mean, yeah. with an anniversary like that, you want to look forward, not backwards. Absolutely. So you don't want it to be... You yeah. don't want it to be um, because as much as like something like I think the best example of this is that Dying of the Day is a film that looks backwards, and it's the worst for it. Yeah. Um. And spec and Skyfall, as much as it it is about appreciating the past and learning from the past, and you know that kind of thing, that's like baked into the themes of the movie. Um. It is also a film about the future and moving yes. forward, and that's why that film resonated so well when it came out. It, was like it timed up with the 50th anniversary. It just felt like a fresh start for the series. It was like, this is incredible. It reinvigorated people's excitement. It made a billion dollars. Like, I think doing something like that for the 60th anniversary, looking forward saying like, you know, Richard Madden or fucking Henry Cavill or someone, you know, mm-hmm. this new guy, this young guy is going to be the face of our new like, of our franchise going forward. Is gonna put butts in seats. It's gonna excite people. Oh um, yeah. And then when oh, you, yeah. especially when you look at, um, and yeah, again, like humoring this competition with Mission Impossible, which is, 
again, it's not a competition. There is, there's really no competition. But, but um, yeah, yeah. Well, there's even if they, like, not not so much like that there's no competition, but like it's just it's not a competition. The two different series that happen to be about the same like similar thing. Yeah. Um, but if you wanted to entertain that idea, you've got you know two Mission Impossible films back to back, like year like year after like it's like a 2021-2022. So you've got two of them coming out back-to-back, and you've got, like, this... Tom Cruise is getting pretty old himself. He's pushing 60 as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the best way to compete with that is to say, well, you can see this old guy do stunts, so you can come see this (laughs) new guy. You You can see this old... Yeah, just some (laughs) old guy, not like he's Tom Cruise or... No, right. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's why the whole competition thing is stupid. But, I mean, yeah, if you wanted to push it from that perspective... That would make more sense as well, but again, I'm not really too interested in buying into the whole like the competition. One needs to yeah. one needs to beat the other. Ah. Yeah, but, um, I, no, no, I I completely agree. But, but yeah, in terms of optics, that would definitely be the preferable for the for the Bond franchise if you had like yeah. this new young guy. Man, you know, you really you during this conversation, my my opinion has completely shifted because I didn't even think about the 60th anniversary. I'm like, <laughs> oh, there's no way that they're that they're, that Craig's gonna be on for, for yeah, 26. And like, and of course they they're putting together a short list because they want that to be a big thing. Yeah, exactly. And th- and like, here's the thing. Like, it, it reminded me of like um when Daniel, when Timothy Dalton was on hiatus because of the whole MGM thing, and um. And basically what happened was they got a bunch of writers in to write future installments for Timothy Dalton right. so that once he was, like, once we, they were go on the new film, they could just jump right in and make his third film and his fourth film and just keep going as though nothing had happened and really catch up for lost time. And I think it's not, it's not hard to imagine that Eon and now that they have, and this is another thing, important thing to remember, Eon is now working with, not with Sony anymore, they're working with um, Annapurna and, or Annapurna, or however you say it. Yeah, Annapurna um, and Universal. And Universal. And I'm sure they've just invested in this new franchise. They're not like, we can't have a a five-year break between Bonds. They're like, they're probably pushing, like saying, yeah, we've got the money, especially Universal. We've got the money. Let's just hire a screenwriter for 26 while you're working on 25. They don't have to be involved in the... the, um, like the, the the production of that film at all, so it's not like you're taking resources away from that film. Um, yeah, it would just make the most sense. It'd be super easy because um, again, they're their producers. Barbara and Michael can just go like from the set back to uh, you know Pinewood and meet with the the writer for the twenty six, and just it'd be so so doable. Yeah, um, yeah. And then not only that, um, yeah, I, I I know someone like the counter argument would be, oh, they'll announce the new Bond on, in 2022. There's no way they're waiting from 20 like two years to announce the new Bond after. Yeah, that that seems like an underwhelming seems, 60th anniversary just to announce wait? the new. Actor. And why would yeah. you wait? Like, why would yeah. you wait? Why? Two why would you years? do that? Yeah, that seems like out of maybe if you believe the rumor that uh, Barbara is obsessed with Daniel Craig, maybe out of respect. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they announced Daniel Craig. Like, as soon as, like, I think Pierce Brosnan pretty much ducked out, and then they said, okay, well, this is the new guy. Um, yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. Basically, as soon as they were ready to start filming that film. So, um, then again, he wasn't, like, going the most respectful way. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> but, I mean, that's Hollywood, yeah. baby. Um, hey, yeah, true. But, I, but, but I'm, 
like you said, yeah, 60th anniversary, it's going to be huge. And we're, that was, that sounded like a Trump statement right there. It's going to be huge. It's going to be the biggest. Oh, God, I regret saying that. Make Bond great. Oh, no, I'm not going to finish that sentence. Uh, Anyways, moving on to our final. Moving on to our final. That should be our merch. Oh God! Should we? Should we make hats too? Red oh, hats? Oh my with a, God! Oh man! I I don't think I can. From do a that. distance, I, it would look too much like the like the genuine article. We'd be targeted. Oh dear God! <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the final uh, topic of discussion today, which you know you mentioned Richard Madden. Well, those Richard oh. Madden rumors never die. Wonder so, why he's on my mind. Oh what? What were you saying? I said, wonder why he's on my mind. <laughs> oh yes, right. Uh, so of course. Man. More Bond 26 rumors, and uh, this one deals with Richard Madden, as I just mentioned. So, according to Express, we may be closer to Richard Madden taking on the role of 007 than previously thought. Um, According to Lorraine Kelly, she bumped into Madden at the National Television Award After Party following his big win for Best Drama Performance for Bodyguard. Um, On the subject of whether Madden would return for a second series of the hit show, Lorraine was coy, but eventually broke and stated that it is going to come back. I think we can safely say Bodyguard is coming back. He's definitely going to be there. She then followed this with, and he's definitely signed to be James Bond. It's highly likely that this was simply a joke uh, Lorraine was making with her audience based on the supposed leak from October that claims Madden has already signed for Bond 26, but nevertheless... You know, the Richard Madden rumors continue, uh, and so we have the battle for Bond 26. Who's it going to be, Craig or Madden? Brody, what do you make of this, this, uh, you know, these statements from Lorraine Kelly? How do you take her, uh, he's definitely signed on to be James Bond um, statement? All right, so this is my hot take. Uh, Well, the the first part's not so hot, but um, definitely a joke. 100% 100% there's no way this I wasn't agree. a joke there's yeah. no way in hell <laughs> yeah. a there's no way in hell that if this happened like uh I'm sure they met each other at the the um the after party I don't think Lorraine's a liar or anything but she's a she's a comedian I think or she's she's at least a tv personality she's making jokes that's just what you do there's no way in hell Eon would let someone just announce this for them on tv mm-hmm. randomly and B, there's no way that if Richard Madden had gotten the job, he's telling Lorraine Kelly. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. um, at a party, no less. Um, what I think this 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 is where my hot take comes in. Uh, what I think this is is that she bumped into, and this is all speculation, uh, needless to say. Uh, she bumps into Richard Madden at the after party. They get chatting. They're talking about this, and she presses him. Are you coming back for the bodyguard? And then he goes, Ah, oh, you know, I'm coming back. We're thinking about doing another one. Uh, depends on some other projects that are moving around. Um, and that, you know what I mean? And I think mm. based on either what he told her about when the bodyguard's coming back or based on just the way he sort of was about the whole thing, I think she probably just inferred that, Oh, so there's something suspicious about this. Like maybe mm. it, maybe he could be making time for like, you know, a Bond film in 2022. And that's why the bodyguard will be either like not coming back too soon or we'll be coming back but then have a hiatus or something like that i i think that she's inferring information so i don't think she pulled this out of her ass and i think the joke is a joke but i think there's, there's little, some truth to it i think, I think there's, there's a little, a little, there's bit a little of nugget yep. of like she she got she she uh, inferred something from their conversation and decided to make a joke about it um because running with it as anything other than a joke as like a funny like wouldn't it be funny if that's what he meant like yeah yeah 
that's like the most logical thing that you could do in this situation without any real information to corroborate it. And in that case, that'd be really cool. I'd be so fucking down. Well, I I mean, I would... uh, I have really like I I've I've always liked the idea of Richard Madden and James Bond, but I've been more partial to Henry Cavill just because I think the dude just I mean you just go look at watch the the Man from Uncle and you're just like oh this guy could be a, the perfect James Bond. But having you know started it on game of on my Game of Thrones uh, binge leading up to the the new season and just like listening to him talk in interviews and watching The Bodyguard. I'm on the Richard Madden train. Yes. I want to see this guy take over. I think he's perfect. He's the right age. He's got the right look. It, he'd be a Scottish Bond again, which mm-hmm. would be amazing. Um, he has the proper intensity. The, the, the intensity. The, yeah. That's, yeah, that's absolutely. What, that's, that's, what gives the him the, that's what gives him the edge over uh, Cavill for me. Yes. I think, I mean, not that, not that Henry Cavill doesn't have intensity. He had intensity in Mission Impossible. He, he can bring intensity. Um... It's just a different kind of it's like with Madden in the same way with like with Craig or with Dalton you you look at him and you can just see the cogs moving in his eyes you know what I mean mm-hmm. there is just something about it that is so piercing even with Connery like you look at him and he's like you can tell he's thinking um, yeah yeah absolutely yeah I I, I just oh. I, the, the, the second <laughs> the, the more I think about it the more I'm just like this has to happen. It's it's a no-brainer. Um, yeah. Which leads oh. me to my next question for you, which is, do you think oh. he's signed on? Do you think he is officially signed on for the follow-up to Bond 25? Oh, man. It's, mm, that's so hard, yeah, because... There I guarantee you, he won't. He mm. won't say it, and he won't. And and God, rightfully no. so, he won't say it. But they are definitely in there. There have definitely been talks. Um, Absolutely, and then there's no way. Yeah, they're not going to say this until, like we said before, until Bond 25 is literally on home media yeah but um yeah no i think he's definitely spoken to them or at least his agent has and sorry and um i don't want to say that he signed there is that leak from october and Mm -hmm. i mean that leak is about as reputable as the sun or as this um (laughs) this this story here with lorraine kelly but it, it, it does kind of feel like a snowball where it's like there's like there's more and more like sort of like pieces of the puzzle um i don't think i don't want to say he's signed that just seems too much like wishful thinking because i want him to be bond yeah. um but i mean it would i wouldn't be surprised if they had signed someone like that would just make so much sense if they like they're organizing bond 25 they get their whole house in order if they they're, especially if they're preparing for the 60th anniversary exactly and you know kind of getting the ball moving on if you that, start that film's yeah. pre-production in 2020 you're well on track for like if you if you sign a new bond start pre-production late 2020 announce your your new bond late 2020 yeah you have all 2021 to like to to film this thing post-production late 2021 early 2022 release it in november like get back to that november baby come on oh baby that's another thing i want them going back to november i'm not happy with february yeah (laughs) i don't like february either but yeah no i um it would just make the most sense for them to get their house in order, find a writer, find a director. Wouldn't it be funny if fucking Danny Boyle didn't accept 25 because he got 26? Uh, that would be interesting. That would be really, maybe the, really, maybe the really Hodge script was would have worked better as an origin for a new Bond and so they just yeah. pushed it back. That would be well. Here, funny. And, and here's the but. thing. I'll, I'll bring back that, that thing I mentioned earlier about Christopher Nolan having a film coming out in uh, 2020. So... His film is going to be released is going to re- release in July of 2020. Um, 
do you think it's possible that he could, you know, be on board for Bond 26? Because, I mean, Dunkirk came out in 2017. Uh, Granted, that's a two-year break in between filming um, or in releases, but, uh, or or actually, I guess it'll be three, but um, I don't know, man. Christopher Nolan's an efficient filmmaker. Maybe he comes on for 26. I don't think that's going to happen, but... Yeah, uh, no, I mean, but still... That is is wishful thinking, but... (laughs) That's very wishful thinking. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is all wishful thinking. We should probably put that out there. We're not saying this is a fact. I don't know, man. I just, I have a very... Well, right, yeah, this is not fact, but I will say I have a very strong feeling that Richard Mann is going to be the next James Bond. Me too. I just get the, like, it, 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 the, the momentum is behind him right now. Yes. Um, he is an established actor, but he's not like super well-known, kind of like Daniel Craig. Kind of like where it's Daniel like, Craig. Yeah. He has Game of Thrones and the bodyguard, well, bodyguard behind him, right? Which are two te- television shows, but they're like high quality television shows, like dramas. Oh, um, yeah. And so he's like, yeah, he's got like people will see him and go, "Oh, that's Rob Stark." Like I know who that is, um, but he's yeah, not that, like that. He that doesn't draws like, a crowd. Yeah, it draws a crowd, but yeah. it doesn't like it's not like the big like. Oh, I can't see him as anything else but Rob Stark. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. um, he won't have the beard and all that sort of thing. And even Bodyguard, it was, it was big, but it's still a television show. Um, yeah, I think that he just he just makes because Henry Cavill is is Superman, and I've always thought that was gonna hold him back. I think when you see him, everyone thinks that he's Superman, and I, th- I don't know if the people who make Bond want that. I don't think they want Bond to share his um, recognition with another tentpole character. So, yeah, that's fair. I think that gives Adam the edge of... And this is just assuming that it's a two-man race, which is probably not. But um, these are the two that are like the most widely speculated um, who have a shot of actually getting it yeah. um, in this time frame. But, yeah, no, I, I just think he makes the most sense... Um, and he, he, yeah, he's got the momentum with the awards and with the the, the attention he's garnering. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. He's gonna be the next one. I don't know if he's signed right now, but he probably in negotiations to sign. Um, yeah, I agree. If, if they are pursuing him, I, I don't know. I just think this is, seems very likely. I think people are really underestimating how um, much Eon is probably thinking about this. Like yeah, I, I'm just yeah, because that, the tabloids, that's just because the tabloids speculate things and it's all bogus, doesn't mean that Eon, Eon probably thinks about this more than we do, probably more than because it's their business. This, they make money from Bond primarily, mm-hmm. if not exclusively. So it would be dumbfounding if they weren't thinking about this. Just in the same way that they're probably thinking about Bond twenty five for ages before we even heard anything about it. Um, yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, they had to they had to coerce Craig back and whatnot, and uh, and they had to work around Craig's timetable. They had to work around yeah. Danny Boyle's timetable at the time. Um, all this sort of stuff. I, yeah, I I wouldn't be too surprised if they've signed him or they think about signing. Him. And I and again, like take it out of the grain of salt because yeah, I maybe I'm saying that because I want him to, and maybe I just want to will it into existence. But you know, I, I, stranger things have happened. Yeah, especially I, I with agree. bond casting. Like, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm very curious to see how this unfolds. Obviously, we won't get anything for a couple years here, but um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just really exciting, and I, and I agree with you. I think Madden has all the momentum at the moment. It, they'd be fools not to sign him on. Uh, but 
lo and behold, there you have it. And uh, so let us know your thoughts and opinions on on the the, the possibility of Richard Madden being the next James Bond, uh, the, the 60th anniversary, all, all the stuff that we uh, discussed. Uh, be sure to let us know your thoughts and opinions on it in the comments section of wherever you are listening to this show. And that's going to do it for Tomorrow Never Lies. How fun. Uh, I almost said Tomorrow Never Dies, but that would have been wow. incorrect. I know. A classic Just, typo like the one that named oh <laughs> uh, yes oh uh, yes so yeah. <laughs> um so with that we're going to move into q branch now for those of you who don't know q branch is where we discuss all the little tidbits of bond news that don't pertain to the films specifically or the film at hand itself so we talk about the comics we talk about the 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 music some cool events that they have going on and whatnot this is really just the bond lore community in a segment so brody i'm gonna pass the torch off to you what do we got in q branch hmm well we have two stories uh we'll probably be really quick because i don't have a ton to say about them but yeah um, oh yeah i know for sure yeah yeah so we have the first one which is about um if you're a big fan of uh bond in motion and all these exhibits that have been popping up uh we got a new one uh which is uh well, I'll, I'll finish reading the lead-in first. <laughs> so there's um, Spyscape and Eon Productions and MGM and whoever else. I've announced that there is a new James Bond exhibit that will be opening um, at Spyscape in Midtown Manhattan in 2019. Uh, the, multi- the multi-sensory experience will be called Driven 007 Cross uh, Spyscape uh, and will mark the first Bond exhibition in New York City. The exhibition promises to um, help fans discover 007 from a different perspective and explore the creative process behind the 007 movies while revealing the secrets of the James Bond's of, of James Bond's iconic Aston Martin DB5, investigate gadgets from Q Branch and examine oh how Q Branch and um, <laughs> and examine original concept art in uh, Oscar-winning production designer Sir Callum Adams' studio while also peeking behind the scenes of Skyfall's explosive finale. Uh, so take from that what you will. Take, uh, <laughs> tickets will go on sale on Saturday, February 2nd at 10 p.m., uh, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for around $23, and I think the, uh, the children's tickets are like $18. Um, and the exhibit is set to open on March 8th of this year. Um, if you're an American Express user, you can actually get your tickets right now, and that's up until January 30th at midnight, and then you'll have to just wait for uh, February 2nd, which isn't really too long of a wait, honestly. <laughs> yeah, no, Yeah, no, no, so no. If, you're, if that sounds like something you're interested in, if you're in the area or you're going to be in the area uh, following February 2nd, oh, sorry, following March, um, was it 8th? Um, yeah. Yeah check that out because it sounds really interesting (laughs) yeah it sounds like it'd be a cool thing i always i always love the uh the bond experiences like this and uh you know the the what is it the secret cinema in london they're doing that casino royale experience sounds like something that sounds like a blast yeah let me tell you um but i i always love when they do these i mean they still have the the bond um exhibit at the at the spy museum in dc which is always a blast to go through they're they're, they're closing that now are they? Yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised. It's been there for years. I mean, like, I it's been there since, I, I don't know, I, I think it's when Skyfall came out. So Yeah, like, it's been yeah. a while. That's it, the thing. Like, it's a shame because you could have done, like, an East Coast uh, Bond exhibit, like, little uh, trip. 
But yeah, yeah. Now you just have to stay in New York. What a shame. <laughs> oh, I know. What a shame to have to go to Manhattan and go to this Ugh. exhibit for only twenty three dollars. That's, That's really, really not bad. That's it's not deal. bad at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm wondering what the uh, multi sensory experience. Having not done any of these before, um, I don't really know what they're like. But and I've never been to Spyscape, so I'm not really too sure what that is either. But multi-sensory experience sounds interesting. It sort of sounds like it might be one of those, like, um, you've been doing those flyover things where you, like, get in the chair and then they, like, they sprint, they, like, they missed you and they like, Oh, sort of yeah, yeah, kind of like the ride at Disney, the Soarin' or whatever it is. Soarin' yeah. Over, that's what it Some, is, like, Soarin' like Over, that, Soarin'. Yeah. I did one in Vancouver and it was, like, Soarin' Over Vancouver and it was... Had a weird detour into Shanghai for some reason. <laughs> like we were flying over Vancouver, and then suddenly it's like, "Whoa, there's the Great Wall!" And then, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> it was pretty cool well, though. So yeah, it's, if yeah, it's something no, like I, that that's Bond themed, maybe you're in like, uh, maybe you're in Zhao's like Jaguar with the the top down, and so you get like iced in the face. <laughs> <or something. laughs> Just so so many possibilities. So many yeah, possibilities. no, who knows? But I mean, I could be way off. It does sound really cool, though. It also sounds cool to see. The most exciting thing for me is those uh, production design. Yeah, like, yeah, same. Because uh, Sir uh, Ken Adam is quite the uh, master of his craft, and really it'd, be, is, yeah. it'd be amazing to see like just some of like his behind the scenes concept. We've seen them before. Um, like DVDs and Blu-rays and whatever else, but it'd be cool to see the actual thing. And yeah, yeah, agreed. <laughs> yeah, so uh, if you're interested and you're in Manhattan or you're going to be visiting Manhattan, maybe consider checking it out. Yeah, and then our last little story for Q Branch um, is it was David Arnold's birthday two days ago. Hey, um, this is January the 23rd. Man himself, the yes. man, the myth, the legend. It's, uh, I was nearly said Sir David Arnold, but we can only dream. Um, <laughs> he, yeah, so if you don't know who David Arnold is somehow, um, he composed for five Bond films, uh, including Tomorrow Never Dies, The World Is Not Enough, Dine of the Day, Casino Royale, and Quantum of Solace. He also did some work on the video game 007 Goldeneye Reloaded, um, mm. which was really some really cool stuff, very Quantum of Solace sounding um, tracks in there. I guess because you worked on it right after Chromosolus. But um mm-hmm. yeah, so he turns fifty seven uh two days ago. So uh happy birthday, David. Thank you for all your work. Hopefully we can add Bond twenty five to your resume very Hopefully soon. Hopefully we can have David <laughs> Arnold on the show one day. That is my that is one of my dreams. That is that is dream. one of my that should be one of our goals for twenty nineteen. Get David Arnold on the show. Just cool. <laughs> well we know uh if you follow him on um if you follow him on Twitter, he's a big fan of those uh, Greg's vegetarian uh, sausage rolls. So maybe oh we could just God. like coerce him with some of those and say, okay, "Come yeah, on, we'll, we'll buy you some sausage that. rolls." I, I love I love him and Lauren Balf and uh, Michael Jaquitos just like oh all of their God. conversations and, um, on Twitter. And, and uh, what's his name? Uh, Daniel Pemberton as well. Oh, Daniel Pemberton joins in. Yeah, yeah, like that's buddies. right. Yeah. It's great. It's great. It's amazing. <laughs> it's the greatest thing ever. Uh, what's What's your favorite David Arnold Bond score? Oh man, ah, damn it! Uh, probably tomorrow never dies. Tomorrow never is dies it? is like I think we've talked about this before. It is David Arnold just literally throwing everything at the wall because he thinks it's the only Bond film he's ever gonna get to score, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. it shows. Like it is, it is truly exceptional. Not to say he ran out of ideas for the next couple of scores because they are all fantastic. But tomorrow never dies yeah. is just so varied in terms of its instrumentation, and like you get. You get like some of those like electronic sounds that which he plays around with in the world is not enough and in Dine of the day a little bit more, um, 
but you also get like a really rich orchestral score as well. You get the bongos. Um, oh yeah. Possibly one of my favorite renditions of the Bond theme ever for when uh, the um, the uh, Hamburg escape. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, he, he's really just all firing on all cylinders and they cannot, like, like, uh, La La Land Records needs to release his, um, his expanded, like, uh, score for Tomorrow Never Dies immediately. Cause I would buy I, it. I think it's day next one. on the list. Yeah. It has to be. They're working backwards. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, oh, I love that one. What about you? What's your fave? Uh, my favorite is Casino Royale. I, I just, can't go wrong. I, yeah. I think it's, it's the perfect sound for, the new bond era um and mm-hmm. i i think so many tracks in there are are, are legitimately jaw-dropping um the, it, it's not very often that i can say i i listen to a score and i'm literally visualizing the film as i go along with the score i mean y- your your score has to be really really good yeah. uh in order for that to be that effective and casino royale is just one of those scores um african rundown is one of my favorite tracks of all time on a score period, yeah. not to mention my favorite action scene of all time. <laughs> uh, that that's still that still blows my mind. It, that's the thing about easy. a great score. The great a great yeah. score is um, it, it enhances scenes. It, it's it, it's it's a part of the scene. So like yeah. I think I don't want to speak for you, but it probably is a big part of the reason why you love that action scene so much that it has such a great score. Oh, true. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and I will say this, I, as much uh, tomorrow never dies would probably be my runner up either that mm-hmm. or quantum of solace. Cause I think quantum, quantum has excellent music. So good. So oh good. My God. There, yeah. There's something about casino Royale. The, the brass has a bite to it. You know, it's a very just crisp sound. Um, it, it, it feels more aggressive like Bond does. Yes, yeah. exactly. Which is why, why I love it. Not to mention the Vesper theme is gorgeous oh um God, yeah. uh the the what is it, city of lovers that track is is mm-hmm. genuinely spellbinding i was gonna um, say um the, the the track that makes me think like the, the one that i can visualize immediately when i hear it is blunt instrument i literally mm-hmm. see that fucking ford driving down the road mm-hmm. when i listen to blunt instrument it's just so and then bond getting out like him disembarking the plane in uh, yeah. nassau oh my god oh yeah <laughs> what, the 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 yeah you're right the one where they yes that's that's also probably one of my favorite scores of his or i'm sorry this is my fit that is probably my favorite Bond score, not just my favorite David Arnold score, but it's probably my favorite Bond score because of how he incorporates You Know My Name into the score so yeah. well. That's so what I love about well. Tomorrow Never Dies is that he, I mean, it never ended up being the title song, but Surrender is Surrender is DNA a big part of it. Yeah, of it that is. movie. Yeah. Uh, that, that score, rather. And it is, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. And that's like, that's the cool thing about a Bond score that I think David Arnold gets uh, in the same way that John Barry got it. Uh, probably more so than maybe anyone else except for maybe um, uh, George Martin when he did Live and Let Die. But um, that you have to really incorporate the title song into the score because that is what gives the... I mean, there's a reason people aren't sick of Bond scores already because every single one is a little different because you get a a title song every time. So it changes the entire, like, you know, texture of that film's soundscape. So you get, like, even films where, like, Quantum of Solace doesn't really use it's a title song it uses a you know rumored to be unused title song well but, um, actually i would say that quantum of solace borrows a lot from the casino royale sound because well, it it's, it's the logic because it's a it's 
the first legitimate sequel, uh, mm-hmm. like one two sequel. Um, and I think the music it, it beautifully just is continued on there, incorporating new themes, but also bringing back the Vesper theme. Like I, I, I think. Oh the, no, of course. The yeah, final, I, the final shot where he drops Vesper's necklace oh into God. the snow with while Arnold plays the Vesper theme, on the but piano, then also yeah. hits that piano note from the quantum theme. It really just brings some f- uh, finality to. Uh, that journey and it's, yeah. it's just completely enhanced by his score there 100% and I think uh, but, I, but at the same time I don't think you could ever mistake Quantum of Solace's score for Casino Royale no you can't not at all yeah Absolutely and I think not. that's it, there, what I mean by that yeah. texture I think it's like you can listen to Tomorrow Never Dies World Is Not Enough and Die Another Day's scores and even though like people accuse those films of being kind of samey their scores are completely different you can't mistake a world score a uh, world track for a Die Another Day track or a Tomorrow Never Dies track they just yeah, all sound so different because in the world is not enough. You have that, na, 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 na. and in tomorrow never dies. You have the, and it's yeah, like yeah. it is just so. It just makes those films their own thing, and then you still have the Bond theme, and you still have all of the other little uh, Bondian elements to the score that grounded in the series. But you have this; it differentiates itself, and it feels like its own. I, like idea musically because of the way it incorporates a title song. That's why I think, not entirely why, but I think it's part of why Spectre and Skyfall sound so samey is that they don't really, neither of them really incorporate their their title song. So no, you yeah. bring with the same composer. And while I think both those scores sound different from each other enough, even though there's a lot of repeated tracks in Spectre, um, you get a lot of like we were talking about this last night where you're like listening to it and you go was that from this or from that and it's because yeah, yeah. It, 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 each score doesn't have its own unique musical identity um that, that is different from each other so and i think the title song is a big part of why that is it, it absolutely uh, is and and, and david like Arnold's champion earlier, of that so. yeah he he really is he his he it's like him and John Barry that mm-hmm. those, they, they incorporated the yeah. best. Absolutely. Um, so we wish David Arnold a very happy 57th birthday. Thanks, guys, for checking out part one. Part two will be available in a matter of days in which we discuss the Bond films that define their respective decades. Be sure to stay on top of all things Twain by giving us a follow on Twitter at TwainPod and subscribing to our podcast feed on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're at it, if you feel so inclined, leave us a rating or review. It greatly helps out the show. Thanks again for listening, and until part two, take care. Now's the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details. You'll do it right to celebrate July 4th by throwing a backyard barbecue. Lowe's does it right, too, with July 4th savings to help get you started. Treat yourself to a new grill and save $50 on a Charbroil Performance 5-Burner Grill, now just $279. And spruce up your landscape before guests arrive and save in-store only with five bags of premium mulch for just $10. Whatever you need to get ready for the holiday, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 710 while supplies last U.S. only. Mulch offer excludes Alaska and Hawaii.